Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet. This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm the vice president of Team DC, and I've played and loved sports my whole life. I've played with Team DC member clubs, the DC Furies Women's Rugby Club, and Rogue Darts. And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC, and I'm a diehard sports fan. I've played with many of the Team DC member clubs, including the DC Gay Flag Football League, Kara Bowling, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, and the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. I'm also a member of the DC Different Drummers, and I do a little bit of drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip under the bleachers. Welcome everyone, Lauren Gabe here. It's December 27th and you're listening to Under the Bleachers. It's our last episode of season three. On this podcast, we take turns and this week it's Gabe's turn to choose the topics. For our discussion of all things queer, all things sports, and for our topic at the intersection of sports and queer, we're doing a year in review. After that, we're going to share an interview with the founders of a new queer space in D.C., As You Are Bar. First, a quick update on Team D.C. The Team D.C. annual meeting will be held on Saturday, January 8th, 2022. The meeting is currently set to take place at the D.C. Center at 2014th Street Northwest in the second floor conference room at 10 a.m. A light breakfast will be served starting at 930 Due to rising COVID concerns, this meeting is likely to convert to a virtual meeting and Team DC will send an update when the decision is made. All member clubs are strongly encouraged to send a representative. Team DC board elections will be held at the annual meeting in January and nominations are being accepted now. Positions up for election include vice president, secretary, treasurer, board member for scholarship, board member for fundraising, board member for communications, and board member in charge of the night out series. If you would like to nominate yourself for another person, or if you'd like more information about any of these positions, please email Les at less at teamdc.org. Be sure to follow Team DC and its member clubs on social media for updates. Find Team DC on Facebook at Team DC LGBT and on Twitter and Instagram at Team DC Sports. Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers on Mondays at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all of your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This is the season finale of season three, and we're going to be taking a quick break um, for a couple of months, but we will be back in the spring with season four. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And while you're at it, tell your friends to subscribe to Under the Bleachers for all of the latest news at the intersection of sports and queer. And now here's Gabe with this week's trip under the bleachers. Okay, so I'll try to change it up a little bit. And since we're hitting the end of the year, which is crazy because this seems like the longest year in the world. And yet um, the shortest. The shortest year and the longest year. Although it seems like we've kind of gone through a whole circle and we're back in 2020. Yeah, I'm confused by everything that has happened. Like, is it the is it like New Year's 2019 all over again? We don't know what's about to hit us. <laughs> it basically thanks Omnicron, Omnicron Persia top sports uh, moments of 2021. Okay, first off, hit me. Tom, Tom Brady wins Super Bowl in his first year with the Buccaneers. Oh yeah, <laughs> remember that? that? Remember the Super Bowl? Wait, wait. Uh, Tiger Woods survives a scary car accident. I forgot he was in a car accident. That was this year. I that was this year. Sure. Yeah, 
<laughs> in February. He's like, okay, I just saw him on TV golfing, so he's apparently fine. Uh, fans return to stadiums and ballparks. Yeah, yeah, Very we knew important. that one. Um, oh, this is a big one. This, we talked a lot about this year. Athletes get protective of their mental health. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's so a, that good a good one. thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, mental health in sports was a big uh, topic this year with Simone Biles in the Olympics and Naomi Osaka. Yeah. No, that was, um, I think, a really positive thing for the sports world this year. Simone Biles was actually named um, Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year, um, which I think was a really big. Um, choice really important choice by them for recognizing the strength that it took for her to walk away from the olympics yeah i mean that was a big uh i mean yeah i mean that's that's, that's a pretty big uh bold step that she took but it's also uh i mean it pretty much saved her you never know what would have happened if she would have gone in to the olympics and competed in the state that she was in we we're talking about what do they call the twisties next up is braves win world series the year after henry aaron's death um, yeah, okay. So the Braves win the World Series. Whoever won the NBA championship, I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> Baseball's long labor piece ends with a lockout. Yeah, they're in lockout right now. You didn't know oh. that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I've been paying attention. <laughs> uh, what else happened in sports this year? There's a ongoing, oh, I guess it's no longer ongoing, but there's a controversy over the Formula One championships. Yes, I did see a funny uh, meme where I guess they were sponsored by Zoom. So like all around the car, I just said Zoom, 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 Zoom. And they're like, I'm glad Formula One finally has subtitles. Uh-huh. But um, it was the Milwaukee Bucks that won. It was the first time in 50 years that the franchise won an NBA title. I forgot about oh, that. Okay. And didn't something have, oh yeah, the Blue Jays made the playoffs or something. And I was like shocked to learn that we still have a professional baseball team in Canada. <laughs> to our Canadian friends in Toronto, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was that was a thing that happened this year. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, yeah, they're repeat Stanley Cup champs. Uh, oh, this is a big one. Lionel Messi moved to France. Yeah, couldn't care less. Are you okay? So one of my friends at the <laughs> distillery, like, is still to this day crying about this and just pissed off that Messi moved to France. Uh, Tokyo Olympics takes place under the shadow of the pandemic. Yes, yes with all the gay people. <laughs> the gayest Olympics ever. Mm-hmm, oh, this is mm-hmm. a new one. Boo. Biden announces diplomatic boycott of Winter Olympics in Beijing. Yeah, that was lame. Yeah. I, I Do better. Uh, Phil Mickelson becomes the oldest majors winner. I don't follow he, golf. I didn't know he won anything this year. He is hella old. <laughs> it's, no, he's, he's 50 years old. The 50-year-old Mickelson made golf history. He's only 50. Wow, he must have been really young. Made golf golf history when he captured the PGA Championship in Kiowa Island, the sixth major championship of his career. Yeah, good for him. But I mean, like, I remember Phil Mickelson playing golf when I was, like, in my 20s. Like, he must have started, he must have been really young then, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's been on the professional Yeah, when they start pretty young. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Good for him. Oh, this is a sad one. Medina Spirit dies seven months after winning the Kentucky Derby. Oh, wah, wah. Oh, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything in there about women's sports? Uh, let me see. As I scroll down, Cincinnati crashes college football playoffs. Yeah, we talked about that. They're going to lose to Alabama, but it's okay. 
College athletes get control of their name, image, and likeness. Oh, that, that was, a big, was a big story. This that year. was a big story. That is a game changer for so many people. So many um, college athletes who come from extreme poverty and have a very difficult time, you know, even though they're in school on a full scholarship, they sometimes can still struggle with other things and they leave families at home who a lot of these kids that were supported helping to support their families while they were still at home and now they've left and they're not they don't have money to send home to their families anymore this just frees them up to make money and for years you know these schools and these uh ncaa have been making money hand over fist selling the likeness of these kids jerseys with their names on it t-shirts with their pictures on it just making so much money off of their bodies and uh, finally, we are recognizing that they are deserving of share of that. And that is definitely a big story from this year. Uh, Coach K announces retirement. Yeah. Duke. That's <laughs> good for him. I mean, honestly, he's the most successful men's basketball, college men's basketball coach of all time. He really is a class act. I really am not a fan of Duke, but um that's a big uh that's going to be a big loss for for duke and for college basketball uh novak djovic djokovic uh he misses the grand slam sweep yeah want want no i don't feel sorry for him (laughs) (laughs) not at all texas and oklahoma defeat defect to the sec that was a big one in college football yeah because texas and oklahoma going over so again i think we're gonna have hopefully the rivalry game of texas and texas a&m yeah, Even that's a big deal. I mean, the SEC is so overstacked already. Like, they need to start kicking out some, like, Vanderbilts that don't really <laughs> – that can't really hang <laughs> with the rest of that conference. Like, it's – that's a weird conference. But, yeah, I I mean, yes, that's going to be a big deal. Well, um, there was not a single woman's sport event on that list. <laughs> so, yes, some other things did happen. <laughs> some other things did happen in sports. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, as is typical of sports writers, (laughs) they have a fucking blind spot where it comes to women. But, um, another big story out of sports this year is the ongoing, um, trans athlete bans. Although I know we're going to talk a little bit specifically about sports news that impacts the queer community. So we can hold off on that. Um, I also think another big story was, you know, where the NCAA is sending their championships, things like that. I don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of stuff happened in sports this year. The year got off to a slow start because we were recovering from COVID. Um, But, you know, it was a good year. Yeah, like I saw one of the interesting things that just happened to, I think, like last week, is that FIFA is now questioning their... um, decision to give Qatar the World Cup because of human rights issues, primarily women's rights and LGBTQ rights. So it's like, really, now the event Well, better late than never. Let's, you know, let's start a trend, is what I say. Yeah, so they're having talks with the the government, trying to see what they're going to do. With the government of Qatar? Yeah. I'm sure that's going to go somewhere. Our partners (laughs) in peace. Okay. Um, all right. What What's our next list that we get to peruse? Let's do our queer topic. So these are the top LGBTQ plus uh, moments in the community. Uh, number one was... Of all, any type of, just anything queer. 
Anything queer that happened. It all this made year. one list. Oh boy, it's this is a this is a place. superstar affair. Okay, here These we go. All over the place. Here we go. Things. The Bachelor is gay. Uh, I think that might be on here. Let me see. What do you th- what do you think is going to be on here? The Bachelor is gay. We have a gay NFL player. Those have to be on there, right? Okay. Uh, what else? Um, oh, what can you remember of this year? <laughs> I mean, obviously, very little. <laughs> I'm blanking. Ann Rice died. Uh, a lot of trans people were killed. That I mean, this was the highest, deadliest I, I year remember. on record for uh, trans people. It's really um, a really terrifying trend and statistic. Uh, what good things happened to queer people this year? Come on, Gabe. Read me the next okay. one on the list. All right. So number one was Elliot Page. Coming out Elliot of Page, that was this year. That okay. was this year. That was the big thing. And, you know, Elliot Page coming out on time. Yeah. Okay. That was a big story. Um, that was a big story. Um, and congrats to Elliot Page. On, we talked about this on the podcast. Brentman Rock, when he came out on the digital cover of Playboy. Oh, right. We had a gay bunny. I forgot. A gay bunny. And it was... Was it like the first male bunny? Yeah, well, it was the first, first male. male to dress as a bunny. There were other men that had been on the cover of Playboy, but not in the bunny suits. Uh, of course, Colton Underwood comes out as gay. Blue. Next. That's The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> he also oh, got a jo- TV show. Okay, I thought this was key. Yeah, JoJo Siwa coming out as queer and pansexual and then having her uh, dancing with the stars. Yeah, yeah. What's still going on? I don't know. I, I mean, if so, it's the longest season of Dancing with the Stars ever, but I have no idea because I've never watched that. But uh, yay Lovato. for the first queers on Dancing with the Stars. That's exciting. Yeah, Demi Lovato. Oh, yeah. Demi Lovato yeah. is non-binary. Non-binary. And then that awesome video of Lizzo correcting the um, ah, yes. guy and saying, nope, you know, use the correct pronouns. So hooray Lizzo being a great ally. Oh, uh, the, the hottie TJ Osborne who came out as gay. He's so hot. And he's local. He's from Maryland. Yeah. He's from Maryland. Well, you know, we do live in a very gay area of the country. <laughs> oh, great. Caitlyn Jenner decides to run for governor of California. And then decides not to run for the governor of California, or is, is she still running? <laughs> well, she ran and just was defeated. Like oh, she ran in the runoff. She ran in the right. runoff. The okay. ran- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. What a mess that woman is. She's a disaster. <laughs> that, was a, that was a huge um, mess. What's her name? Uh, the Harry Potter lady got canceled for being transphobic. Maybe she. Oh, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Um, Little Nas X. Little Nas X and all his greatness. And well, what about him? Basically, that, you know, is. Uh, because he, because Old Town Road dropped. was last year, right? Yeah, but his new album dropped, and he's basically yeah. Montero, big, like, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, big fuck you to everybody else. He's like, well, he made the he made like a big gay music video. <laughs> yeah, with like naked men in the shower, so it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, the guy from Mean Girls, yeah, and his husband, they made him. They made one of those, um, which I'm gonna call it, uh, Lifetime movies, and they came out on the cover of the Not magazine. Yeah, that's like, not news. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knew he was gay. Kel Penn came out. 
Yeah, that was a big one. Oh, oh this one too. Uh, Billy Wait, Porter. Elvira came out. Elvira, come on. Yeah, Elvira. come on. <laughs> that was a big one. Uh, Billy Porter talking about how he was living with HIV for 14 years. Oh, Billy Porter did announce story. his HIV status. That was a that was an important stat. That was an important story. It's like long overdue that we do a better job of destigmatizing HIV status in this country. And then all the gay and lesbian and LGBTQ plus LMNOP Hallmark Channel movies, because there were so many this yeah, year. Yeah, Hallmark <laughs> is making gay movies now, everyone. Newsflash. Also, Netflix has a queer Christmas rom-com for the first time ever. I encourage you to go watch Single All the Way. I actually watched it a second time, and it was growing up. I liked it better the second time. It was better the second time. I really enjoyed it a little bit better the second time. I think the first time I was too hard on it. I was like wanting it to be something that it wasn't trying to be. And well, I'm still getting ready to watch all my drag queen comedy specials. So there's the Dina Martina one, which I love that I saw last year. And it's, she's just ridiculous. And then Jinx and Dela had to cancel their shows because they got COVID. So they had to cancel all their shows, so they're streaming it. They're, they recorded one show in Chicago, and they're streaming it. So, eek. Well, eek. Yeah, COVID, um, uh, this Omicron is no joke. It's highly, highly contagious. It, so everybody mask up. Yeah, so those were the top moments of queer moments of 2021. No mention of No me. Carl Nassib. No Carl Nassib. Oh, that's just... Silly. I don't know who wrote this. Where, where did this come from? No mention of Elvira or Carl Nassib. Who wrote no. this list? No. <laughs> well, also no mention of me. So obviously this list is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elvira was kind of a given. She's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> She's like, you didn't know. Uh, all right. What, what's your next list for me? All right. So my next list is uh, the athletes that came out in 2021. Oh, there, there's like 57 wrestlers, 44 <laughs> snowboarders and or skateboarders. Okay. And so I guess Carl these are Nassib. the top ones. Yeah, these are the top ones. So we had, uh, I'm scrolling too much. Candace Parker. Yeah, which was, uh, I thought she was always out. <laughs> yeah. Um, of course, and she's, yeah, you know, the, uh, whatchamacallit. Yeah, because she was married for two years and she just never really came out. But guess what? And she's expecting a baby or they're expecting a baby. Yay. Yeah, that was the latest one. That was just recent, like last week that she came out. Josh Cavallo from soccer. Yeah, the Australian A-leaguer. That was a big right. deal. Oh, there was the hockey, world. the NHL guy too, right? So, pro um, Pro-Kick? Pro I can't pronounce his last name. <laughs> Kieran Lovegrove from baseball. We talked about that. <laughs> minor league guy so he technically counts as a minor league baseball player so technically all five sports the major sports have someone but carl nassib football jack dunn rugby oh yeah professional irish rugby player that was a big deal too that he came out as bisexual during pride month uh tony storm from wrestling there's a lot of wrestlers <sighs> colton underwood he I guess that, that counts. barely counts, but okay. He was signed by the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, no, I know. That was like his big claim to fame when he was the bachelor was that he was a former NFL player and a virgin. 
<laughs> which anybody who signs with an NFL team, I don't care if you never touch the field, if you're still a virgin, it, like, there's a reason here. The fact that he came out as gay is not remotely surprising. I This story, I have had enough of it. Can we... <laughs> Like, honestly, this story made every single one of your lists, and that's wild. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Nikki Hiltz, track and field. Gabby Tuff, that's the one that I wanted to do. I was going to do this, uh, but I never I never got around with that. Like, did you hear about Gabby Tuft? Retired uh, pro, what is it, WWE? Um, uh, came out as transgender, as just, like, super um, out there and, like, just basically saying wanted to like transition forever and just never did it because was like worried about what was, you know, the world of wrestling and stuff like that. And finally just said, screw it, I'm going to do it. And is now just going out and still wrestling, but kind of like letting the story go out there. So, I mean, that was a huge story for wrestling. Yeah. There were um, a million of those wrestlers this year. Yeah. I'm so, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I wonder if like wrestling is now going to be like a huge, like transgender sport. Well, I mean, I think there were more queer um, people that came out in wrestling than trans people. And I don't think anything's going to change. They're still going to keep wearing the same gay costumes that they've been wearing since before <laughs> they came out. So, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I, you know, we talk about athletes coming out on this podcast all the time because I think it's hugely important and it makes a big difference to kids, especially. And I am all for it. Um, and this was a, this was a year of a lot of people coming out. We've talked about them. Yeah. And it's a lot of like, well, the one thing I like about this year, it's a, it's a, it's a mix of sports. It's not just, oh, you know, everyone's a football player, everyone's a basketball player, whatever. It's a wide, you know, range of different sports and different levels where people are just coming out now. So, I mean, hopefully more people come out next year, more people, you know, who are LGBTQ get into sports and decide that, Hey, it's okay for me to play sports sports you know the professionals um or the minor leagues or just you know whatever but i it's a safe space now you know sports is yeah. becoming more accepting Dave, are you ready for my list of the 20 most exciting lgbtq movies of 2021 yes all right tell me if you've seen any of these movies number one breaking fast breaking fast a romantic comedy where a lebanese american falls in love with a white American in West Hollywood and they learn to adjust to their cultural differences. Oh, so Lord. We've got a lot going on there. Number two, Haymaker. Definitely have not heard of this wild film. After being threatened by a thug, a seductive transgender entertainer named Nomi is rescued by a retired Muay Thai fighter named Nick. Oh, God, this, who made this <laughs> list? All right. Number three, this one looks good. Supernova. This stars Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Okay. Uh, who, yeah, they are longtime partners and they are going on a road trip because one of them has just been diagnosed with cancer. Now, of I course, I did hear about this one. Yeah, no, it looks like a really great movie. Of course, it's like, as is the usual, whenever there's like a prestige gay movie made, it ha there has to be some tragedy at the center of it. But of course, it still looks like a very good movie. Two of us. This is a French language film. Uh, number five, a film called Cowboys, <laughs> which I actually think looks kind of decent. It's a very, it's like one of these uh, indie films. It was, it won a drama award at the Tribeca Film Festival. 
It's about a dad who takes his trans son into the wilderness to hide out together after his mom refuses to accept him as trans. Hmm. Number six, The World to Come. This is one of our favorite genres of LGBT, of, well, let's just be clear, lesbian movies, because they don't really do this to the men as much. But we have our 1850s farmer wives uh, <laughs> falling in love. In, <laughs> we have to, when you're doing lesbian films, you also always have to throw in a period piece. Right. Uh, we have a movie called The Sound of Identity, um, which I, is an, is actually a documentary so that's you know could be interesting it's about an openly the first openly transgender female baritone to perform opera on an american stage okay i carry you with me um this is a sony pictures movie that is um spanish language it is based on a true story and follows two Mexican lovers whose decades long romance is tested when one of them moves to New York City to pursue his dream of becoming a chef. I think I heard of that movie. Number 10, No Ordinary Man. This is the story of transgender jazz musician, Billy Tipton. Um, all right, I'm gonna skip a couple of these. Also on the list, your favorite and mine. Everybody's talking about Jamie. Yay. <laughs> There is a Little Richard movie uh, that's yeah. supposed to be coming out. Yep. Yeah, I did hear about that. All right. Well, that's about it. But that is, uh, there was a lot of exciting movie news in the LGBTQ spaces this in 2021. Well, you know what? This all reminds me that a lot has happened in 2021. I am grateful and thankful to have made it through 2021 without contracting COVID. Um, and Ooh, that's that's one of us <laughs> yeah. well and grateful that when you contracted covid you had been fully vaccinated and therefore were able to fight it off really quickly so you know obviously that was a big thing that happened in 2020 we all are 2021 right we got vaccinated and i just got boosted so yeah that was a big that was a big story but you know i, I looking back on this year there was a lot of down time you know negative things that happened and a lot of um hard things to go through but there are also some some joyful moments and it's important that we remember to celebrate those joyful moments yeah i mean especially for the sports world we actually had sports this year that was a big deal actually uh, yeah. go to a baseball game that's right <laughs> like, actually I mean, honestly, go to a stadium. right after 2020 it was just nice to be able to be back together in a baseball stadium yeah to see people i mean that's that's the big deal about this whole thing it's like you you forget how you like how just going and having a beer at a stadium and watching the game like how awesome that is and you know kind of like take it for granted a little bit so yeah hopefully everybody gets vaccinated boosted wears your mask stays safe hopefully we can have an awesome new year yes 100 percent um well, I appreciate you, Gabe, and I appreciate you reminding me of some of the highlights of 2021 so that I can feel warm and fuzzy about them as we head into this last week of the year. <laughs> so I guess we should wish everyone happy holidays, happy new year. We will be off until probably March, but you know, watch our Facebook page for announcements for when we're coming back with season four. Um, and thanks for listening. 
yeah thanks for listening to us hopefully if you really missed us you can go back and listen to some older episodes where i push laura's buttons all the time but it's always fun <laughs> always always all right okay that's this week's under the bleachers roundup of things queer things sports and things at the intersection of sports queer we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll share our interview with the founders of a new queer space in dc as you are bar Welcome back to Under the Bleachers. Today, we are joined by Joe and Rach, the co-founders of As You Are Bar, a new queer location for the DC community, currently virtual with brick and mortar coming soon. Welcome, Joe and Rach. Hi, how are you? It's good to be here. Very good to be here. Uh, I am glad that you guys could join us. And I see you have a puppy back there joining us as well. (laughs) All the animals. Happy always. (laughs) (laughs) So I know both of you. I've seen you both out and about. So I know that you've been in the involved in the DC bar scene for a number of years. But why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background and your experience? Sure, I'll leave mine shorter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I uh, started, I think this is for context important. I was a college basketball coach for years. Uh, I've realized I love the life coaching side of that. Um, and I really wanted to impact the queer community, which I got to do a little bit in coaching. We had trans players and queer players, uh, but it felt like I wasn't getting enough people, touching enough people. Uh, so I started life coaching and then it was really one-on-one and I still wasn't touching as many people as I wanted to. Uh, moved to DC, started working at Nelly's actually as security. Um, and if you've been following the news, you know, they're having some challenges uh, with you know, with their space, but also experienced some of the things that are in the news, uh, some inconsiderate treatment and wasn't super comfortable at or at home uh, and went to pitchers actually. And Aloha wasn't open yet. League of Her Own wasn't open yet uh, and got a tour because we had an amazing security guard at the time, uh, Julie, Julie May. And she was like, queer girls, come with me. I'll show you. I'll show you what we're doing. And so she walked us around. I got to meet Joe. And before I left that night, I filled out an application for the security team. Uh, had an interview with Joe and joined the team. Was there opening night for my first day, uh, and then spent the next you know two years really influencing the safety management of that space uh, as head of security. Joined the bartending staff, bar back. I, I called myself the utility player. Uh, <laughs> anything you needed, I got it. You need the internet fixed? I'm on it. Everybody loves a team player. Yeah, it didn't really matter. <laughs> Whatever they needed, I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I uh, just got to know all the ins and outs of that space and really impact, especially the safety management side of things and how we uh, monitored behavior and how we kept the patrons, most marginalized patrons in that space safe. Um including pitchers it was kind of of the whole establishment and and then from there uh joe says it best we kind of fell into step right away in in the way we worked and the things that we prioritized and we treated people uh and in february we ended up leaving there to start this journey and take this risk all right yeah Yeah, um so i I came to DC in 2005 and my first gig was door girl at Apex, um, RIP. <laughs> oh, Apex. Uh, yeah. And so <laughs> I worked the door and Joey O, the manager at Apex, I was good at it and I was good at people and asked if I'd ever bartended. So I learned at Apex how to be a bartender. Um, 
And that was, it. you know, I worked there until it closed in 2010. Um, and then in the years since I have worked at phase one, phase one of DuPont, or as some people called it, phase two, um, <laughs> I was at Freddy's and I was at Cobalt and in, um, in all of those years in between. Um, and then in 2018, I won the Stoli Key West Cocktail Classic. But when I won that, it was uh, I was the first woman to win for DC. And then I got to go to Key West and represent DC and ended up winning the whole thing. Gave like 10 grand to Casa Ruby uh, as my, you know, that's the, what you get when you win is money for charity, which is really a cool thing. And that kind of put me on the map a little bit in DC. A lot of people knew me because I could like spot you across the street and be like, Citron and soda. Um, <laughs> but that was what I was known for. And so when I won the, the cocktail classic and, and, you know, made a bit of a name for myself, that's how I ended up being tapped to uh, be the, the person who opened a league of her own. And so I got tapped for that, asked, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that I've had a lot of awesome experience and have managed to sort of keep my reputation intact. I like to say it's because I've never dated the wrong women. <laughs> that's, um, a I mean, that's always good. That's important. <laughs> so yeah, in summer 2018, I joined the pitcher staff and did actually was fortunate enough to do some of the like construction work on a league of her own and you know spent the first two and a half years like building that brand and building that clientele and 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 trying to really make it a safe really prioritize the safety of our community and that's always what's been important and it was the first time I had some autonomy about how that went and then yeah like Rach said uh, end of January early February quarantine you know started really getting our brains working and we were like mm -hmm. I think we could probably do more than than just a league of our own. And so, um, so yeah, we had a really awesome virtual event uh, for New Year's 2020, 2021. Yes. Nobody knows what is time. <laughs> what uh, is time? So that was sort of like, that was sort of how we came, we came together, we fell into step, we had ideas and because the buck didn't stop with us, we weren't really able to go as far with our priorities and our ideals as we would have liked. And so, you know, it's quarantine. You have lots of time to sit around and think about stuff. And we started kind of inadvertently outlining our employee handbook and our <laughs> SOPs, our standard operating procedures that now are sort of like falling into place for As You Are Bar. But it all started with the two of us creating community um, together and holding each other accountable to to those ideals. <laughs> yeah, and you've touched on it a little bit um, already, but just give us your sort of elevator pitch. What's the overall mission statement for As You Are? Yeah, so our, our mission is to create safe space for the most marginalized of the marginalized, uh, an inclusive space. Anybody's welcome to be there so long as they uh, can celebrate love and appreciate great culture. Uh, so that could be ally or a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. Uh, and that's, that's really the, that's it. That's the crux of it. We want to have a good time and, and make sure people are safe. Our, our uh, logic says that if the most marginalized of the marginalized are safe, then everybody else is going to be all right too, right? So as long as you're in there upholding that and helping support that safety, then you're welcome to hang out with us. Awesome. Yeah, that's the mission. <laughs> that's the cool thing I saw is that it's also a daytime and nighttime space. So 
I know that's really important for a lot of groups, but uh, why did you think that was kind of important for uh, starting out as you are? I think that in, uh, in my experience in gay culture in DC, it's a really sort of pigeonholed grouping. It's, you know, you are either at a baseball game or you're on a dance floor, you know, like sweating and, and, and close quarters. And there wasn't, there's not a ton of room for flexibility. And because Rachel always says like, the queer community touches everything else. We are the center of the Venn diagram. There's like no marginalized group that doesn't, there aren't, you know, queer folks and nobody, not everybody wants the same experience. So having daytime hours, having a place that is safe for people who aren't drinking or aren't drinking because they're not old enough yet or are kind of aged out of the dance floor. Like I'm not really one for a lot of dance flooring. Um, I really have to work myself up to it. And, and I think that's just the case is, um, you age out of the bars and the clubs at a certain point. And so if we can provide programming that's mindful of all of these groups that are, aren't often thought of in safe spaces. So we're like out finding other safe spaces, like how dope would it be to have, you know, kind of a loungy cafe area for after, you know, to get an espresso after a date, but it's still a queer spot, you know, and you can like the dancers right there, if you want to pop in for a dance or like, you know, check it out, you can. And so we our, our goal is to be inclusive, even in those ways, right, to have daytime and nighttime hours to, to not leave anybody out. Yeah, that's right. So just for anybody who isn't aware, the concept as I get it and correct me where I'm wrong is you're, there's a cafe vibe for the daytime that is obviously welcome to everyone. And then that that area transitions into more of sort of a chill cocktail lounge type place in the evening. And then accompanying that in a separate space will be more of a dance floor vibe for those who want that. And you're talking, this is going to be a space for everyone, including it, it's going to be an over-under space. Yeah, our goal is to, I mean, there's a curfew in D.C., so we can't go below 18, but our goal is to include, um, most D.C. liquor laws don't have, you don't have to check IDs at the door. It's done for an insurance purposes, which we completely understand. It's a huge burden to bring people who are underage into your space, um, but there are on ways us. on us, on a us. huge burden on <laughs> us. Um, but there are ways to do it safely and keep people safe and use wristbands and use safety management to make sure we're not serving people who are underage, train our staff appropriately. There are these like steps you can take that require a bit more work, but we think it's worth it because, I mean, imagine being like a sophomore in college and like having a safe place to be. We like know you're there. We're taking care of you accordingly. Um, I think it just shifts how people grow up and how people like come into adulthood. And we've had some conversations with the community because it's really important that this space is built not by the two of us because we only represent the intersections that we touch. Uh, and we've had some people concerned about like, oh, this is like 18 and up all the time. And so it won't be a 18 and up all the time. We're really thoughtful of the experience of multiple you know, age groups throughout, but there will be events and nights that will celebrate our youth and give them a safe space where they have they have an outlet as well uh and with the knowledge everybody has the knowledge of like what's going on so they you know they can make their choices and all everybody can be safe and part awesome. of the concept also just like going back to the daytime nighttime like we'll use our dance floor for like events probably we'd love to have drag and and have some inclusive performances use it as a performance space 
open mic stuff, like even more like chill things, use the dance, utilize the dance floor space for more than just a dance floor. I know we have like dancing groups. We've got a queer, um, it's called QT. It's a bachata group that <laughs> loves us the opportunity to like have a dance floor. So finding ways to create, you know, to utilize the space as much as possible for our community. And sometimes that'll just mean like, oh, our board needs a place to have a sit down dinner. Okay, dope. We can set up tables on the dance floor and like kind of close it off for you on a, you know, on a Wednesday night. We're happy to do that. And like trivia is often the trivia, you know, we held uh, previously was pretty well attended. So there's a good chance that we would need that much space speed dating like there are just so many opportunities to like utilize the space and so it won't just be the dance floor it'll it'll we would like it to be used as a community hub outside yeah. of our cafe space as well that sounds like a lot of fun um let me ask you this uh you're already starting to mention some of them so why don't you give us sort of a rundown of some of the events that you've already started that you're currently hosting and some ideas of some of the events you plan to be hosting in the year coming up sure yeah so uh currently our our live event is every sunday we are at town tavern on 18th street in the upstairs dance floor and we're kind of it's a takeover as you are bar takeover um and that's from five to midnight unless it's really bouncing and then we'll like keep going so yeah and so that's kind of our current live event uh and obviously in addition to our busting our butts to get this brick and mortar and the doors open so we can do that that's obviously the future plan the most urgent future plan uh in the past we've done uh you know during the pandemic when we couldn't go out on uh mondays we'd do click in with coach which was a happy hour on zoom that anybody could come to we would just hang out and chat and i'd <laughs> throw a topic out and we just let the conversation go uh on wednesdays we would have hey you we still have hey you uh which is an interview show on Instagram Live, we pick a community hero and we hear what they're doing and, and highlight that, uh, make space for them to speak on it. Uh, and then we would do the trivia. We, we've since kind of slowed down on some of these things because we're super busy, uh, but we would have trivia once a month. We did some speed dating events with DC Frey, which went really well. We actually have a couple of friends that are now dating. Zoom speed dating. Attended. It was amazing. The yeah. Frey team. I, like, Zoom speed dating? Yeah, they did breakout rooms. It was, DC Frey like had it <laughs> virtually speed dating. It was like, you know, three wow. minute dates on a Zoom call. It was, yeah. Was, I mean, hey. Life at the time of COVID. So That's right. <laughs> we got to adjust. And our friends just officially, like, went to Facebook official following having met yeah. on at a DC yeah. Price speed dating. Hey, we were, you know what? I love love wherever it happens. Yeah. <laughs> there were also regulars that click in. So there was all this communing going on. We were able yeah. to fellowship, you know, virtually, which was great. Um, one of the first things we did coming out of the pandemic live was we had a screening at Hook Hall for the Lesbian Bar Project which was our first in-person event as As You Are, and it was a hit and it was fun. Um, and we got to do that following going to New York for the premiere of the Lesbian Bar Project, which I know we've talked, we'll talk more about later. But yeah. um, so that was our first live event and that went, that went great. Um, so yeah, that, those are the things that are happening currently, obviously. What's next? Uh, get this door. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you think yeah. there's a, do you think there's any room for a version, an in-person version of clicking with Coach at the bar? Oh, heck yeah. I would love to. We've talked about that, like kind of hybriding or like bringing those virtual things into the bar, whether that's like I take uh, probably not on Monday because we probably won't be open, but 
you know, maybe I take the bar shift and that's like clicking with coach live. Yeah. Who knows? We live stream the bar for an hour. I don't, you know, (laughs) we could, we can mix and match and, and pull some of these. We also invert that virtual world really expanded beyond DC, right? We had one night I had a guest from Wisconsin, Hawaii, Texas, Texas, Philly, all on the same night, everybody was hanging out. I was like, this is not like, this is crazy. (laughs) And awesome. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So wild. like we're like we'll put the zoom like on the TV behind the bar or something and like make Hang that on. uh make it a, a hybrid event. Look, the we, NBA is doing it, we can do it. <laughs> I like that's what so we always like to say. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and we actually like to call them the MNBA, the men's NBA. Fair enough. <laughs> well, that's one of the cool things. Like it's you know, there's there is literally space for anyone and everyone, yeah. uh, which is awesome because I remember growing up. Uh, I came from a little small town in Texas, and the first time I actually went, really went to a gay bar was uh, in college. And here I am, a little like 19-year-old freshman going to, you know, under 21 night at this one bar that's now closed. But yeah, that was me going into like my first queer space ever in life. And you do learn a lot. <laughs> and there's not that much in D.C. And no. it changes like your perception of the world, like who you put yourself around at that age. Uh, Apex was 18 and up my first bar and I remember being behind the bar once and watching every time classes started in the fall we would see just this huge influx at college night which is so adorable I mean, <laughs> so it's just I, I feel older every year but <laughs> like college freshmen appearingly like looked just 18 years old at max walking in and saw a girl kiss her girlfriend like on the dance floor and her face to be like you can do that was so I was like oh this is what I want to be oh, doing. I'm okay yeah. like oh cool yeah. exactly and like yes it's not all your best experiences sure and it's always something to learn though yeah I mean who at 18 only has their best experiences anywhere let alone yeah, in a what bar 18 year old is like nailed it um, so why do you think it's important specifically to have a space for queer women and non-binary folks, especially here in DC? I, um, we love this question. It often gets asked also like, um, why do we still need these spaces? Mm -hmm. And I think um, there are a couple of answers. One of which is uh, that all the rest of the bars aren't doing better yet. Um, So Rach, we're so fortunate to have her on this team on so many levels, but the safety management aspect of having conversations with people outside of the community about why their behavior inside our spaces matters and having these sort of like free of ego, full of information conversations. It's the way we change the world a little bit at a time. So, and in DC in particular, we have this vast and diverse community that isn't represented in a lot of these like vast spaces they're not as diverse they're not um and they're uh because we're not approaching this from a capitalistic standpoint we really want to pay our investors back and make enough money to keep the place open maybe open another one in another city like we want to do all those things but when you're not just looking at the dollar signs above people's heads when they walk in the door it shifts the way you treat them and then it shifts the way they treat each other i'll never forget this girl one night um somebody was trying to get to the bar past her and they put their hand on her shoulder to reach like at the bar and coach was behind the bar and Rachel's off her nickname is coach. Um, 
was was behind the bar and was like, I'm going to get you in a second, but first you got to take your hand off her shoulder. And it was a guy, a cis man, and he was like, it's her shoulder. And the girl was like already apologetic. Like, mm -hmm. it's okay, it's okay. And Rach said, I don't care if it's her shoelace, it's hers, so you can't touch it without consent here. And like, it never went big, nobody got aggressive. It wasn't like he, nobody roughed each other up, but the girl's face, as Rach was like talking to the guy, the girl's face to be like, oh, I can just tell someone not to touch me. Like it's, we're so yeah. we're just yeah. too far behind um, to like, so we have so much work to do. And so I think the reason we need spaces for queer women and, and it's so much more than queer women and trans folks and non-binary folks, it's like neurodivergent folks and people who aren't able-bodied. Like there are so many spaces um, that we have work to do for, for true inclusivity and that intersectionality that matters so much. We got to be so mindful. And that's why we continue to call on the community, like, tell us what you think and what you want to see, because it's why part of why we call ourselves founders. It's like, well, we're, we're going to provide this. And we're going to bust our tails to like, make sure you get it. But y'all are building this bar, right? This, like this community, this city. So like being mindful of that, I think, is why it still matters because it doesn't exist. Yeah, and I just have two things to add. One, I think that also includes, and we're seeing a lot of this in the news with what's happening at Nellie's, the black community and all these intersection, all the intersectionality that happens in queer community. Like we, we've yet in our hit, in the history of queer people, in the history of the marginalized beyond just queerness to be prioritized. So does it mean that if you're straight, you can't come there? No, it means you also need to be prioritizing the queer and marginalized in this space. And if you're willing to do that and you understand why that's valuable, come on in. And if you don't, then this isn't the place for you because that's what we're going to do. And that's what we're, that's the priority we're going to uphold. So I really think it's that doesn't have to be exclusive lesbian bar only. Like I think we've grown from the historical lesbian bar to this idea and it absolutely, we absolutely deserve some place that puts the marginalized, especially the most intersectional marginalized first, you know, in, in terms of safety and experience. Yeah, I, I really appreciate everything you said. I, you know, as somebody who is now in my, I guess, mid 40s, um, it's amazing to me just seeing the evolution in my lifetime of, you know, there were actually more, uh, sort of what we used to call lesbian bars when I was younger and they kind of all started to disappear and now I feel like there's a resurgence of this I of the recognition that you know while the queer community as a whole has really taken some large steps forward um, in terms of rights and recognition and um, representation in this in society as a whole and in the bar society in particular it, it's still, so many people are still being left behind. Mm -hmm. And so many of us, you know, I, I remember going to gay bars in my thirties and not ever feeling comfortable because all the like lesbian bars had closed mm -hmm. and you'd go in and the, you know, men just inherent, like just intuitively did not make space for women, right? It was like almost like they didn't see you, right? And I'm not even like saying that they were trying to be aggressively against you. It was just like, you literally didn't exist. So you, you know, you were finding yourselves always trying to have to like walk around somebody, try to like, you know, excuse yourself to get in, you know, 
And so I really, I, I just think what, the way you guys describe it, it's just, you're putting into words things that I've been feeling my whole life, but never really articulated before. And I, I just, I would say from a personal perspective, I just really appreciate that you're taking the time to be thoughtful about things like that and try to do something about it. Yeah. And I think the, some of the experience there is like, because anybody's welcome, it, we don't want to be exclusive in our attempt to be inclusive, right? It, the bar could easily fill up with like majority cis, cis men, right? We don't really want that because it squeezes out the more marginalized. So because our mission is to prioritize the most marginalized of the marginalized, it leaves room to maybe monitor the numbers in there, or how the space is being taken up, or the volume in which this like predominantly AMAB party is, you know, taking up audible space in the bar and all these other humans feel like they have to move out of the way or get smaller. Like that's kind of the behavioral stuff that we'll get to have conversation about. And I mean, honestly, like Joe said, educate people on like how we move through the world because that, what you're talking about is such a it's cultural programming for, for AMAB humans to think like it's mine, right? And the world has promoted that for them. Mm -hmm. And in order to like shift away from that patriarchy, we have to start having conversations to like, help them realize the impact that has on other people that don't have what they have, right? Absolutely. And it speaks, and it speaks, to, it speaks to such privilege, right? I, I, I too have had a, a similar lived experience, except I was sharing behind the bar space mm. with, with men, right? And there are people who would come into my, to whatever bar I was working at every week and be like, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, I know it was behind the bar, but because there was like a hot shirtless guy next to me, you like- I You didn't even pay attention. I disappeared and I, I just, didn't exist. Those yeah. are there. I think there are so many uh, of us, so many marginalized humans that I walk through the world with a whole ton of privilege and I'm super aware of that. So while that gives me good perspective that I've had that lived experience, I think like, oh my God, like imagine well, yeah. if, I was, if I had some intersectionality outside of my womanness and my queerness, right? Like imagine how much worse it could be when I've had moments where I'm like, I literally served you like the, your, the drink you couldn't get in line in his line. I've served you like <laughs> week after week. And, and I think what's interesting about it, and this is where, uh, where feminism is, is a, comes into play in a fun way is it's like, I recognize that that's not born of malice. Like I recognize that you're not a bad guy because you didn't notice me behind the bar because I'm a girl and there was a hot shirtless boy. I worked with some of the hottest men in DC. <laughs> like I get it. I look at them and I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's, I'm confused, but not. Um, but it's just, it's so, and it's an interesting thing and it does speak to privilege. And so those are the, those are those moments, right? We want to like see that one kid who's sort of off to the side. Actually, we want to, we have, we have frequently and, making as you are a place you can come in on your own right after work and, you know, set your computer up and have a drink or, you know, set up a work meeting at 3 p.m. and like come hang out because you know it's safe. And well, let's talk really quick about the Lesbian Bar Project. So I think there are probably some people who are listening who have no idea what that is. So first, tell us what that is. Um, so the Lesbian Bar Project was actually a crowdfunding campaign begun by two pretty um, straight out of NYU film school, Erica Rose and Alina Street, uh, along with Lily Ali Oshatz, um, was, the, <laughs> was in the first iteration. It began as a crowdfunding project in COVID following a Curve Magazine article where um, at the time there were 15 lesbian bars in the country. And I was in the article 
representing a league of her own. I sat on panels, spoke to other, to, to a lot of the owners. I was probably the only manager who was um, pretty vocal. The rest were owners because uh, most are owned by women. And um, yeah. And so it started as like, they create these filmmakers created like a two minute PSA during COVID that was filmed in New York city at Henrietta Hudson and Cubby Hole bars, which are two of the oldest um, lesbian bars in the country. And essentially they, these two humans just talk, had a conversation about how they were shaped by their bars, particularly the cubby hole and wanted to do something. So they wanted to raise money in COVID to help. And they actually got Leah Delaria from uh, Orange is the New Black as their sort of celebrity face. Fascinating character, that one. I sat on a couple panels and podcasts with her. She's a trip. We met her in New York. Uh, She sat next to Rach for a minute at our our panel. It was a fascinating situation. Battled because we both made the script pretty good. (laughs) It was the battle of the butches and it was pretty hysterical. Uh, It was... uh, Leah won because Rach wasn't playing, but you know, that's <laughs> generally how Rach ding, ding, ding. she's like, I want you to win. I think you need yeah, it. We should all win. She's uh, way shorter than you'd think. I was in six inch heels. So it was like a terrible plan. But anyway, so, uh, so it started out from this Curve Magazine article. And when the article went out, Erica emailed all of us who were in the article or mentioned, did a lot of research, reached out to as many as she could. And, and they created this PSA, did a credit, got Jaeger to sponsor, like just did all this amazing work. Um, and that was in October. And then in June for pride month, they did a second iteration of crowdfunding. Um, and with that second iteration, they actually made a 20 minute documentary, um, which Rach and I are featured in. And it's, I mean, very cool. It's like weirdly cool to it's see like yourself. Really high quality documentary. <laughs> impressive. My father was in town when the um, preview came out, and my dad was like standing on my sidewalk in Capitol Hill crying. This Whoa. like Oklahoma. He oh. rode his motorcycle from Oklahoma with his wife, like, and he's like was crying. It's it was it's just powerful. There's um, in each city they went to New York, Mobile, Alabama, and came here to D.C. Those were the three cities they featured in the documentary. In each city, they sort of had a community member who was doing incredible work. So in the D.C. piece, Whit Washington, who is a trans activist attorney uh, for incarcerated people, was the D.C. like community member. They highlighted Whit and Whit's fiance, Liz, who are adorable. And the first day, it was very surreal to film like with a film crew. So we walked up to, they, they shot at the Southwest waterfront and Wit and Liz were filmed first. So we got there early in the morning at, at the tail end of filming those two. And there was like a guy with a camera and on an arm that doesn't move. I mean, it was very, <laughs> all these people are following you with like screens and stuff. And there's not, it was a lot of equipment and it was really cool. Um, so we got to be a part of that. We were super stoked that um, they chose Whit Washington as the community member. We also had DJ Mim with us, who's consulting on our dance floor. Incredible, incredible DJ Mim. So we got to like do photo shoots with the clacker thing. And then <laughs> it was just a really cool experience. And the boom, everybody's obsessed with the boom. The boom. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. So, Is the so, documentary out there somewhere if people wanted to yeah, watch it? You can go to lesbianbarproject.com. It's on YouTube, Jaeger sponsored. So there's no charge to watch it it's 20 minutes long it's really stunning there's well let me ask you this do you know how much money they raised was it a success it was so the first iteration they raised 
$111,000. And then oh, wow. they just announced that in, in June, they raised $151,000 to get dispersed amongst those 21 bars. Um, we're really, really fortunate for the exposure. We are not uh, getting any of that money because we don't have the brick and mortar yet. And they really wanted to make this um, about the bars in existence, yeah, which we were like, we're happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. So yeah, no, that's a really cool opportunity. That's yeah really awesome that you guys yeah, got so they to do raised, that. like yeah um over two hundred fifty thousand dollars all told um for the bars that are open all of those people will be at our opening so <laughs> ah, when it's well, that is super exciting <laughs> yeah no i'm jealous of all the cool stuff that must have been a really fun uh event that documentary was very cool and you guys looked really great in it thanks, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of under the bleachers under the Bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of Team DC. For more information about Team DC, please visit www.teamdc.org. We want to give credit to Ralph Elston for the design of our logo. Also, our music is provided by DC's Different Drummers Marching Band and was composed by Travis Gettinger. You can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all major podcast apps, including Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and share us with a friend who might enjoy listening. Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC board members, Laura Frere and Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and participants of Under the Bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.